It goes without saying, these are very stressful times. But you don't want to let stress and the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody like me, just trying to get through the day tension-free is a big thing. Theragun is amazing. I mean, seriously, this product is incredible. What it is, is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun does not just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. I've never seen or felt anything quite like this. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. I love mine. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash Rome right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash Rome. theragun.com slash Rome. How do you think this plays out for Aaron in Green Bay? I think it's going to end up just like all those great ones. You know, I don't, I don't see you know A-Rod as a guy that's ready to give the game up. You know, within the next two years, I think he wants to play as long as he can. I know, I know he wants to get to another Super Bowl for certain. I think if he plays um, as long as I think he would like to play, he'll end up at an, on another team. It's cracking. Welcome to episode 161 of the Jim Rome Podcast. Really happy you're here. This week, the streak of NFL legends swinging through the long-form side hustle continues. My guest is the one and only Charles Woodson. I say one and only because he is the one and only dude to win a Super Bowl, win a Heisman, house 13 defensive TDs, and launch a wine and whiskey company as well. And if that weren't enough, my man is a finalist for the Hall of Fame class of 2021. As you can tell, I've got a ton to get to with Charles Woodson, so let's do this thing right now. Episode 161 coming right at you. Charles, it has been a while. It is so good to get caught up and chop it up with you just a bit. Let me first ask you, how are you and yours doing during this extremely unusual and unprecedented time? Bring me up to date. How's your life? You know what? Uh, I, I can't really complain, Jim. You know, it, it has been unusual times, you know, but, um, you know, being here in, in Florida and uh, being with my family and, you know, kind of being able to, to even do throughout the pandemic, be able to get outside and kind of just roam around our, our neighborhood. You know, we, we haven't complained about much, man. So, I, so I'm not going to do it. You know, I, I know um, there's a lot of things, a lot of people's lives have, have been upended and um, you know, I'm not going to you know sit here and complain about anything. Cause I know there are a lot of people who are going through way worse than, you know, what I'm experiencing dur- during this, during this whole thing. So um, we're, we're doing okay. Good to hear it. It certainly is true, too. It's a really challenging time. Now, you've got a lot going on right now. Let me start right here. You were named a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist in your first year of eligibility. Listen, you've achieved on every single level of the game, Mr. Football in the State of Ohio, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, NCAA Defensive Player of the Year, Heisman Trophy, NFL Defensive Player of the Year, eight-time All-Pro Super Bowl champ, and obviously the next step. Charles would be Canton. 
I don't think I'm going to go out on a limb when I say I'm feeling pretty good about your chances, but what would it mean to you to get that call next week and to get that yellow blazer? Well, man, that, that, that would be the ultimate, uh, Jim. I mean, you named all of the things that, you know, I've been able to accomplish from an individual standpoint and, of course, from a team standpoint. Um, but this would be, like, this would actually, you know, close the book, you know, on the career. And, you know, what, what it would say is that, you know, each and every year, each and every week that I went out and played the game of football on any level, you know, I went out there and left it all out on the field and made enough of an impression um, on the people that I played against, my teammates, and, and people who were watching me on the television or at games, enough that I could be, you know, in that conversation to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, you know, I feel like, you know, I've done my job. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so now it's up to, you know, it was up to the, uh, the voters, you know, to, to vote me in or not, man. But all I can say, man, it would be the ultimate, you know, to be able to, you know, put on a gold jacket. Right. It's out of your hands right now. But you've done everything you could to make that decision pretty easy for them. I think it's going to go pretty well. You know, when you look at this thing, you've had so many amazing moments in your career, but it is Super Bowl week. When you look back on some of these finest or some of your finer moments, does anything at all compare to winning a Super Bowl? No, because you know how we always talk about, you know, the NFL being the ultimate, you know, team sport. Um, and that's, that's, that's exactly right, you know, in my opinion. You know, if you, if you look at these guys are, that are in the Super Bowl right now, you know, it takes, you know, 11 guys on offense, 11 on defense, and then 11 guys to go out on special teams to get you to this moment. And, you know, you got to go through a grueling 16-game schedule, fight your way through the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl, man. And it's so hard, you know, to get there. You know, everybody doesn't get a chance to get there and win it, and they understand how hard it is. So it, it is, it is, there's nothing, you know, better than to be able to say at the end of the season that you are the best team you know, in the NFL, you know, you get a chance to, to, to hoist that Lombardi trophy up as the champion. That is the ultimate because it is the ultimate team sport, man. So I know these guys, you know, you know, both teams, you know, uh, Kansas City won it last year and, you know, Brady's won, uh, you know, won it six times. So he's been there before, but you got some guys, you know, that haven't been there. And, uh, you know, I know those guys are explaining, you know, what this moment actually means because once you're a champion, man, you're a champion forever. You know, you, Charles, had two shots at it. You won one, and you didn't win one. I'm curious, the one you won, like, the way you lay that out, there's so much that goes into it. It's so grueling over the course of any given year to get to that spot, and then you suffered the worst possible break at the worst possible time, a broken collarbone in the first half of a Super Bowl. Like, given the price that you pay to get there, what goes through your mind when you realize, man, I cannot rejoin the battle with my brothers in the Super Bowl? How emotional was that moment, and how did you process that? Yeah, that was, man, that was certainly emotional because, I mean, anybody who's been around me in my career, you know that if I had, you know, if there, if there was a way that I could get back, that, get back out there on the field, you know, whether I had to take a shot or, you know, whatever, I was going to get back out there on that field. So it was tough not to be able to, you know, finish the game, you know, with my brothers, but I was, I was uh, or, or my, the guys that are in my position, uh, in my defensive back room, I was hoping I made enough of an impression that could help those guys in some kind of way finish the game. And I think that happened. So, you know, whether or not I was, you know, actually in between the white lines and playing it, the game to finish it out, I feel like my presence was felt, man. And, and, and actually in saying that, I did finish the game. So 
regardless, you know, the guys went out there, man, got it done, and I was able to hold up that, that Lombardi after the game, man, which was, you know, very, very special moment. Charles, I wonder about that. Like, you got to hold that Lombardi up and you got back out there. Like, when you consider the sweat equity that goes into it, how badly you want it, how much it means to you, when you actually get that feeling and you hold that trophy up, does it match your expectation? In other words, did it live up to the hype? What's it feel like to be the best in the world? Yeah, man, ain't no question, man. Um, you know, you talk about myself, you know, having been to two. You know, I was there in, uh, you know, I think 2002 it was, as you know, uh, with the Raiders and, we had a great, great team, and you know the expectation is, if you get to the Super Bowl, I mean, hey, you know you got the same players coming back for the most part. You're gonna make it back the next year, and it took me several years uh, to get back to it. And, and you know, so when going into that game, I, you know, I remember you know having my speech, you know, to the team, you know that that week after the championship game, it was like, hey man, for these next two weeks, man, we gotta be, we gotta be one, one mind, man, purpose, soul. And with one goal in mind going into this game, and I, I meant every bit of it. And I told those guys, but you don't, you don't know when you're going to get back. You know, what I mean, I don't know how you, how long you're going to play. I was fortunate enough to play, you know, a long time, and, and to be able to get back to one. But you never know when or if you'll get back to a Super Bowl, man. Let's take advantage and let's go out here and win it. And you know that 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 meant everything, man, to just have the opportunity to get back. And then to, you know, like you said, be able to hoist it at the end and say, hey, you are the best team uh, in the NFL. That was, it, it lived up to, to all of the hype. Trust me. It's tax season and no two people are alike and no two tax returns are alike either. You know this. Thankfully, TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you got married this year and you've got some questions about how that affects your filing status. Maybe you want an expert to walk you through the process step by step so you can make sure that you don't miss any deductions on that new house you just bought. Or maybe you just want to hand the entire thing off from start to finish so you can focus on your burgeoning baby photographer career. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. TurboTax live tax experts give you the confidence to know that your uniquely you taxes are done the right way. Into it, TurboTax live. That's amazing. Like when you have the career you have and had and worked as hard as you did and got there twice, then you look at your fellow Michigan man, Tom Brady. Charles, like this guy is going to his 10th. Like we all know his journey from unheralded player in college to mid-round draft choice to GOAT. But I'm curious, when did you look at this guy? I mean, really look at this guy and think, man, this dude is different. This dude is special. When did you first have that thought about him? Man, you know, I just think probably after he won, you know, multiple you know, Super Super Bowls. I mean, when you think when they won their first one, you know, he's just, just coming in. And, of course, you're excited for him. You know, he's an old teammate. So, wow, got his first Super Bowl. is great. But when you look at, you know, the first Super Bowl and the second one, it was a lot of attention that was paid, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, it wasn't about him. It was about the defense. But then when you look at it, man, all he did was just keep climbing and climbing that ladder, man. And, you know, then he gets to – you know, the point, you know, where he has a little law and then he run, runs the table with another three more. And you just you kind of look back over it and you start going through the steps of his career and you reflect on all of it and you're just amazed at the fact that, one, you know, he's 43 years old, still out there slinging it. But you just mentioned to, to be a part of 10 Super Bowls, you know, and having won six um, is, is 
I, I, that, that'll never be done again, in, in my opinion, you know, especially um, in this day and age with guys switching teams in the whole nine. But I just – I don't think it's one particular moment, man. I just think it's the totality of his career and then actually seeing him leave the team that he played for for, you know, 20 years and go to another team with a new system, new head coach, uh, no off-season, really. You know, everything was done virtually for the most part, you know, for a large part of the, the season, uh, preseason. And then he gets with this team, man, and they just do the, throughout the course of the season kind of, I think, buy into what he was bringing to the team. So, man, I think, you know, when you look at what he did in New England, you're amazed. But then now you look at where he's at with, with, with uh, the Bucks, and then you're just, if you could say, re-amazed <laughs> at what he's doing. So, I, I mean... Just happy for him, man. Happy that he got a chance to, to leave New England and go and show people, man, that he does have a great impact on his team. Boy, that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, it's like even Bruce Arians said it's one man. Like one man was able to change the culture of the building. It's an, exa- it's an amazing thing. Now, Charles, the next Raider fan that I meet that has gotten over the tuck rule play is going to be the first. You, of course, were right <laughs> in the middle of that thing, man. You hit Brady, you forced the fumble. How long did it take you to kind of reconcile or process or move beyond that call? Or maybe is there a part of you that still hasn't? <laughs> well, to be honest, Jim, um, how, how do you reconcile something that every year, you know, the playoffs start, there's an anniversary of the tuck rule? <laughs> right, <laughs> I right. I don't, know how, I don't know how I'm ever able to heal. It's, it's like... You know, there, there's a scab you have on, on your leg, and, you know, finally it's starting to heal, and then all of a sudden you fall down and rip it back open. It's like, geez, every year it's an anniversary? Come on, man. Uh, so, you know, for me, I, I feel like, you know what, it, it, that was one of the toughest moments, you know, in, in you know my career, of course, because like you said, I was right in the middle of the play. But then Raider Nation, you know, feeling like, you know, we all got robbed in that situation. That's, that's a hard one, you know, to get over. And, and I don't think really – you know, I think there's there's probably a small part of, you know, each and every one of us that still hasn't gotten over it. But at the same time, you know, I can't really complain as far as, you know, how things worked out, you know, as a player, you know, for myself and, and playing, being able to play 18 years in the NFL. I did finally win the Super Bowl and, like you mentioned, defensive player of the year and all of these other accolades. So I don't dwell on it, uh, but – you know, sometimes that wound is open back up. No, I understand that. And I appreciate the candor, too, in that response. And then, Charles, you had such an amazing run in Green Bay. Such a great, great run in Green Bay. You're going to go down as an all-time Packer great. But they certainly weren't your first choice at the time, right? In fact, if we're being real, did you even initially want to be there at all in the beginning? No, Green Bay was, was never on my radar. Um, I, I had never, you know, once you know, even even put out, you know, the idea that, you know, I was thinking about going to Green Bay, you know, I had conversations with my, my agent and, uh, you know, we talked about several other teams, you know, Tampa was, was at the top of the list um, initially because of the fact that Gruden was there. Uh, our general manager, Bruce Allen, had gone down there. and I just thought, man, naturally they would bring me in. I'm, I'm Gruden's first pick in Oakland, <laughs> you know, so I'm right. like, I, I'm, I was almost for certain that I was going to be, you know, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that wasn't an option. Um, I remember telling my agent that I wanted to talk to Jacksonville. You know, I mentioned this a couple of weeks back that Jacksonville was very high on my list because of the defensive pieces that they had. And I thought that would have been a natural fit for myself to go out there and play, you know, opposite of Mathis. And, you know, they had some studs up front um, that could, you know, flat out get after the, a passer and, and stop the run. So I was, I was, I was like, man, okay, 
Tampa's not in the mix. Definitely Jacksonville. And then they went another route. And then here comes Green Bay kind of out of nowhere, you know, inquiring about me and calling my agent. And, you know, I'm like, you know, Carl, you know, Carl Poston was my agent. I'm like, man, we haven't even talked about Green Bay. Like, why do you you keep approaching me, you know, about Green Bay? And, uh, you know, they were were persistent. I know there was one other guy they they were looking at in free agency was LeVar Arrington. And uh, I forget what kind of happened with his situation, but, you know, they stayed after me. And next thing you know, man, I signed to Green Bay. And like you said, man, hell of a run in, in, in Green Bay. <laughs> hell of a run. It's amazing how things work out. Aaron Rodgers, Charles, once said of you, quote, I think he's the most talented guy I have ever played with, end of quote. I'm curious, what's it like to hear that particular praise from that particular guy and player? Man, that, that's, I mean, that means a lot, man, because especially, you know, the type of player that A-Rod has become, man, have a lot of respect for Aaron. I know where he's come from and the start of his career and, you know, where he is now. And, you know, to be honest, man, when you're out there on the field and, you know, you're working, you, you don't really, you know, understand, like, who's really paying attention. And so, you know, he, he's got his own deal. He's trying to start, you know, then he gets the job and he's the quarterback of, you know, Green Bay Packers franchise. He's got his own deal to worry about offense. You know, his 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 relationship with Mike McCarthy, and he's got a whole lot of other things, you know, going on. You know, so you know, for him to you know actually, you know, during that time period, be watching me as I went through you know my career there, my seven years in Green Bay, and to have that opinion, because uh, we had some, we had some studs out there on our team, man. That that it means a lot to me. No doubt. I mean, it's it's such a ruthless business, right? Even for the very best of the best, like Joe Montana did not end his career with the Niners. Tom Brady is not going to end his career with the Patriots. Brett Favre did not end his career with the Packers. How do you think this plays out for Aaron in Green Bay? As you're on the outside looking in, how do you think that's going to end? I think it's going to end up just like all those great ones. You know, I don't, I don't see you know A-Rod as a guy that's ready to give the game up You know, within the next two years. I think he wants to play as long as he can. I know I know he wants to get to another Super Bowl for certain, um, you know, because, you know, all of the talk is how great he is as a quarterback. But when you look at, you know, the other guys around him, some of his, you know, contemporaries, you know, Roethlisberger has two, Eli had two, Brady's got six, uh, Peyton had two. Um, you know, he's sitting there at one. I'm, I'm sure he uh, definitely wants to get, you know, another Super Bowl. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, for him, he, he – He's going to be just like all those great ones. <laughs> he's going to play maybe you know one or two of the years in Green Bay, and then he's going to have to go somewhere else and play. It happens to all the greats. It's like nobody is exempt from that happening just because you were a, a player to a certain team. I mean, look at Brett Favre. You mentioned Joe Montana, and look at Brady. That's a prime example. Just recently, you know, who, who would have thought he'd leave New England and be down in Tampa Bay, <laughs> Florida? Nobody ever thought that, you know. Um, so I think if he plays. Um, as long as I think he would like to play, he'll end up at an, on another team. Man, I think you're so right. Do you want to improve your health, but you're not exactly sure where to start? With thousands of health strategies available, identifying which one works for your body is tough to do. I get that. According to MetPro, the key to seeing results is to master your metabolism. At MetPro, your metabolism is not a mystery. It's a data point. 
Armed with hard science, MetPro is your health concierge, delivering one-on-one coaching and personalized nutrition and fitness regimens. It's not just about weight loss either. MetPro's coaches provide busy professionals, athletes, weekend warriors, and everybody in between with the support and the education they need to live a healthier life. MetPro's team of experts has worked with the most recognizable names in sports, entertainment, and business. They have helped thousands of individuals transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism. If you're looking for a high-touch experience, working with a metabolic expert, or if you want access to the tools that their industry-leading coaches use, just go to metpro.co slash roam. metpro.co slash roam. Take their assessment and speak with their team to learn which option is best for you. Also, listeners will get one month free when they sign up. Head to metpro.co slash Rome. Take advantage of this great, great opportunity. Aaron Rodgers, he's got to look at Tom Brady and think to himself, man, look at the support he has with Tampa. They essentially gave him whatever he wanted, and he earned that, right? He's the GOAT, but he's got a say in almost everything that goes on. If he says, hey, I want Gronk, they get Gronk. If he wants AB, he gets AB. I mean, Aaron's got to be looking at that, right, and thinking to himself, the grass has got to be greener. Look what this guy did because he took that big step. Absolutely. And I I just, you know, mentioned this uh, the other day is that when you look at, you know, this season – um, of course, I know you know Aaron probably wanted them to you know draft. You know, uh, they had a slew of receivers in the draft. I'm sure he probably wanted wanted one of those guys. Um, didn't get it. They drafted a quarterback, and so you know didn't have didn't draft someone who was going to help that team immediately. Um, and, and, and right now, and I'm sure at this point he's thinking, you know, okay, uh, I'm, I'm the quarterback here, but I need a little say as well. You know, let let me let me be a part of, you know, the decision making process as far as you know who we're looking at in free agency, you know what guys we're looking at drafting, you know other otherwise you know you're going to have you know still you're going to have a disgruntled guy especially next year. I think this year he just went out and played, understanding that you know you drafted a guy but he ain't better than me, um, so I'm not worried about him taking my job. But going forward, you kind of look at, you know, the way the game was, uh, you know, played the other day. You look at the weapons that. Brady had, even though some of those guys were out, he still had those guys throughout the season. You know, they were loaded with weapons on this side of the ball. So I know Aaron wants those guys to go all out, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and bring whoever they can to help him right now. And I would almost guarantee that he would want to be a part of that decision-making process. And if Green Bay doesn't do that, you will have a disgruntled player in in, in the Packers. And I think that, I mean, in in, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and then I think that, you know, speeds up his process of, you know, trying to get out of there and get to another team. Charles, I think you hit on something that's really, really interesting, you know, that he should be involved in the process. Like you have Deshaun Watson, and the team had told him, you will be involved in the process. Then they did not involve him in the process, and now he may not be in the best way. Where do you come out on this? When you have a franchise quarterback, is this a matter of where players play, coaches coach, or if you have guys like that, you better involve them in the process. Should they be involved? Yeah, I think I think you know guys of of, of you know Aaron's caliber, um, you know Brady, you know you talk about Deshaun Watson where he at, where he is in his career. Well, I mean, why wouldn't these guys you know have some say so? I mean, look who's in the Super Bowl right now, and, and you know look at the quarterback situation that they have. You got Mahomes and you got Tom Brady, and, and, and Mahomes is going to be in the same situation as a player. Uh, why not? you know, bring those guys in and say, hey, this is what we're looking at. 
you know, as far as our, especially as far as our offense is concerned. And then looking at the defensive side of the ball, you know, what, what the defense may need to help that defensive side of the ball and, and helping, you know, those guys be stout on defense and getting off the field on third down so that you can get the ball back. But when it comes to receivers, running backs, offensive linemen, why, why, why wouldn't you bring your franchise quarterback in there who you expect to lead you, you know, to the Super Bowl, you know, get you deep in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl? Why wouldn't that guy be a part of this, the decision-making process? And I'm not saying you got to let him make your picks, but why not let him have, you know, some say-so as far as who comes on that team? So I, I, I got to believe, man, that, you know, uh, Mark Murphy um, and those guys there in the building, uh, Gutekus and, um, you know, those guys together will, will sit down and say, hey, you know, we got we to gotta bring A-Rod in, man. We got to talk to him, and we got to make him a part of this decision-making process. Um, like I said, otherwise – he, he, he's going to be a disgruntled quarterback, much different than what he was this year. This year he just played relaxed, looked like he was having fun. But you, you don't bring him in and don't let him help you with the decisions. I think you'll have an upset player. Oh, hell yes. Absolutely. He should be involved in the process. I mean, I, I posed the question to get your thoughts, and I really appreciate them, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? In fact, I'd go one better. I'd make sure if he's unhappy, they should make it right. They should ask him exactly what he needs, what he wants, take his input, and then yep. maximize that asset, of course. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, Charles, you used to come on the shows early in your career, my shows, when you were with the Raiders. I'm curious, what was it like back in the day, on any given day, any number of former Raider greats would show up at the facility? I'm talking Willie Brown, Fred Bolitnikoff, Giamato. What was it like, and what was a part, or what was it like to be a part of that particular brotherhood? Man, that was awesome. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, you caught uh... – you know, some of the, the Raiders games, you know, late because they were, you know, on the West Coast. So, um, I mean, growing up, I, you know, I'd heard of names like, of course, Tim Brown and, and, and uh, you know, Bo Jackson. But you didn't, we didn't really see a whole lot of them, you know, where I'm, where I'm uh, from. Uh, but, but, you, but you knew of them. And you know, of course, you knew about Al Davis and, and you know about the silver and black. But then getting, you know, to Oakland and, you know, probably the first, person that I, that I really had any rapport with was, was Willie Brown, you know, the late, great Willie Brown. And, of course, he was a constant in the building. You know, he helped out with the DBs when I first got there. But then you started to learn about all of these guys, man, Freddie Belitnikoff, Howie Long, Jim Otto worked in the building. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Cliff, man, Cliff Branch, Miss Cliff Branch, man. We had all of these guys, man, always buzzing around the building and, I mean, it wasn't a day that went by that, that one of these guys wasn't around. And you, and you just understood, you know, what that place was all, was all about. And, you know, you always hear the saying, once a Raider, always a Raider. That really meant something, you know, to the, to the Raiders and, and the former players that played there. You know, they were always, you know, welcome, you know, to come back to the facilities. And they were around. Um, I remember, you know, every year, you know, Freddie B would, you know, get up in front of the team and talk. Willie Brown would talk. And, uh, you know, I remember Freddie B would always, his one thing was, hey, if you want, you know, everybody in the NFL and around this country to talk about what you guys are doing and you got to, or, or not talk about what we did in the past, you got to go out there and win. You know, and that always stuck with me. You know, it was like, hey, you got to go out there and make your own name for yourself. Otherwise, they'll keep talking about the former greats that played here. So we always had those guys around the building, man. It just made it fun, and you know, to hear those guys talk to them, you know, Willie Brown was always telling old stories about how it was when he played, man, and how the locker rooms were. And 
you know, smoking under the bleachers on the way in the halftime. You know, it was Incredible. A lot of crazy stuff they did back in the day, man. But it, it was great, man, just having those guys around. It, it was a lot of fun. That's incredible. Willie Brown was such a class act, man. What a great player. What a classy guy. Charles, you imagine those guys going under the stadium to burn some Marlboros <laughs> at halftime? Are you kidding me? Like, I know they were old school. Were they getting fucked yeah. up and doing shots, too? I mean, how crazy was that, man? I mean, it, it could be a it could be a full blown party, you know, in a locker room, and then they'd go back out like nothing ever happened. You know, it was it was unreal, man. Some of the stuff uh, that they said that they were doing, you know, back in the day, stuff like right now, you, you know, you probably look down on a guy if he was doing any of that stuff. Like, well, what are you, what, what are you doing, man? You're not taking care of your body. <laughs> so it was a totally different era, you know, than it is right now, man. But again, you know, those guys went out there, man, and they, and they grinded. And they, they, they left it all out there, but they lived hard, too. Charles, I mean, you got the Patriot way, and then you got the Raider way, and they did, man. They <laughs> went hard. They worked hard. They partied hard. Listen, speaking of alcohol, you've got your own wine label, Intercept, and obviously you have a great passion for the process, a great passion for the product. Even Brady himself was saying recently, how a guy from Fremont, Ohio, got so into wine, I have no idea. <laughs> Tell me, how did you get so into wine, and what grabbed your attention initially about it? Man, well, well, you know, a big, a big props and a thanks to the Oakland Raiders, man, for drafting me uh, in 1998. And, you know, the Raiders training camp was in uh, Napa Valley, as you know. So, you know, I, I got involved and interested in wine just by proximity, just by being in Napa Valley every year during training camp. And I just, you know, I fell in love with wine country, fell in love with Napa. And I just thought to myself, man, this is something, you know, that I want to be a part of long term. And so I created my first label, which was 24 by Charles Woodson. And then now uh, the Intercept label uh, that you know about right now. So, so with Intercept, man, what we offer, we offer four varietals, man. We have Chardonnay, we have our Pinot, we have a Red Blend, and also the Cabernet. And what we did, man, is we created a lineup that was uh, high-quality wine, but an affordable price, man. So we, it's a lot, everything is line priced at about $19.99 uh, and, you know, just premium grapes, um, and, and we, we are right now, we have national distribution gyms, so we're in like 45 states. We're working on uh, all 50 states by mid-2021, and it, it's really been remarkable. You know, even with, you know, uh, the pandemic going on all of last year, man, people still support it. You know, people still wanted to drink their wine. Um, so very proud of where Intercept has come and where we're going, man. We're, we're going to be doing big things. Clones. What do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. Man, we want beef, pure and simple. So where is the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices. They're smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not rough. And why is it so good? It's because of the folks involved. Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously. I've spoken with and know members of the family. They are legit. They're the real deal. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors. So look for it in major retail stores near you. Old Trapper, what's your beef? 
I haven't quite found my way to it. Like my alcohol journey has been pretty interesting and I can get into that in a minute, but I will say this, my wife, Janet and I were married in Napa. Now we're not real wine people, but we were married in Napa. In fact, we got married at Meadowood. Have you spent much time at that oh, spot? Man. It's nice, right? Yeah, it's nice, man. And they, and they, they, they uh, had the fire hit them uh, pretty heavy. And I'm not sure if there's any of that, any of that uh, there anymore. Right. Which is sad. I, I don't know if, yeah, it, if it got the entire facility, but it definitely did hit that spot. We also had a rehearsal dinner at, in a cave at Pine Ridge. Listen, man, how do I get to that spot? If you're, if you're talking to a novice person who doesn't really know that much about wine but wants to learn, where do they start? What's the process for beginning? Man, I, I, you know what? I think you just got to try. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you know, because uh, when I first started you know, drinking wine, you know, the only thing I knew about was Merlot. So I just, you know, I would try Merlot, and that's really all I, all I would do. Um, and then I kind of opened up and started drinking, you know, some Cabernet and some other things. So I, I think that, you know, for most people, uh, I think if you started out with, with something that was, you know, on, on the white side, you know, start out with a, a Riesling, uh, something that has, you know, some, some sweetness to it, but, but still a dry wine, um, maybe step up then to a Chardonnay that might be, that have a little oak to it, a little body. And then on the red side, I think I would start out with uh, a Pinot Noir. You know, usually those are pretty light-bodied uh, wines, you know, very easy to drink. And then you work yourself up, you know, to your, uh, your Merlot, your Shiraz, and, and, and your Cabernet, you know, those, those wines that are a little bit heavier. So I think it's all about, you know, trial by fire, man. You get in there and you try a little bit here, a little bit there, until you find your palate and what you like. All right, so that makes sense to me. Now, I was talking to Will Blackman the other day. You created a wine monster in that guy. He's got some great yeah. stories about how you got him into it. Now, on top of that, Charles, you also have your own bourbon. Now, obviously, a totally different yeah. process than wine. I'm curious, why did you want to get into that as well, and how do you drink yours? Well, first of all, I drink mine neat. You know, I, I like to, to taste all of the flavors of, uh, of the bourbon. You know, I know some people you know, feel like if you have a little ice and a little splash of water, it opens it up. Uh, but for me, I don't need that. I, I don't want mine watered down at all. Uh, so I, I drink mine neat. But, you know, just throughout my journey of, of drinking wine and you know, going to you know, a bunch of wine dinners and then, you know, after the, the wine, then you kind of step into your after-dinner drink. You know, then I start, I stumbled, uh, at some point I stumbled upon bourbon, man, and then I, I fell in love with uh, bourbon, fell in love with the fact that, you know, bourbon is high corn, so it does have a little sweetness to it. Um, it could be. You know, high alcohol can have a little heat to it, but, you know, I like the fact that it did have a little bit of that sweetness to it. Um, and so I decided, you know what, I, I want to kind of have uh, the beginning to the end. You know, I want to have something for you to start with, with the white white wine, move on to your red, and then your after-dinner drink, let's move into uh, the bourbon. So that's why I decided uh, to go with uh, with some bourbon whiskey, man. I love that. So before I let you go, let me ask you this. Like, I, I was always a clear liquor guy. In fact, for the better part of two decades, I don't drink during the week, but I like a cocktail on Friday and Saturday. And I was a gin guy for the longest time. When nobody was drinking gin, for whatever reason, I was just all about that. But then when I could no longer do that and started tearing me up a little bit, Charles, I moved on to vodka before I ventured into tequila. And then finally now in my fifth decade, I'm becoming a scotch guy. I don't know that much about it, but I got my first tutorial at a high-end liquor store. And the guy said to me, you got to first decide, are you a single malt guy or do you prefer a blend? I tried both. I happen to like the single malt much better myself. Where do you come out? Or is that just the wrong question to ask? No, it's not, a, it's not the wrong question to ask. I think that um, everybody, everybody's going to have their preference. Everybody kind of has their, um, 
they're different taste buds. I mean, to me, it's kind of like wine. I think you kind of sample around and you figure out what it is, you know, that you like. Um, so it just for instance, you know, mine, I, our style is 70 corn, 21 rye, and nine wheat. And so uh, we, we are 80 proof, you know, so it's 40% alcohol. And so it, it's not as heavy on the, uh, on the alcohol side, but we still get, you know, a little bit of, you know, the spice with, with the rye in there and then a little rounded sweetness with the corn and the wheat. So um, it just kind of all depends on, you know, what you like, but it is. It's all about, you know, just trying different things. And the one thing I do like about bourbon is that it is American. It, it's what we do. You know, it, it, it's going to be called bourbon. It's got to be 51% corn, and, and, and then, you know, you go from there, it's got to be 100% uh, aged in American oats, uh, charred, and so... You know, that, that was my preference. So yours may be a little bit different than mine. They have different rules with the, uh, with the Scots uh, over there across the water, and we have our rules over here. All right, so circling back then, you talked about distribution. If people listening right now would like to sample either the wine and or the bourbon, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, right now for uh, Intercept Wines, if you go on to Intercept Wines, cwintercepwines.com, you can order. Um, we, we, we do ship to most places. There are certain states that we're, we're not able to ship into. Uh, but if you go on to cwinterceptwines.com, you can type in your zip code, and then you can share a store and restaurant locator on that website. And then for uh, Woodson Whiskey, you can go to woodsonwhiskey.com and order. Right now you can pre-order uh, batch number three. But right now that's online only um, as we are gaining uh, or, or moving around to getting the distribution for the, for the whiskey. So that'll be um, a little bit further down the road, but we will be uh, we will have distribution pretty soon here. I'll look for it. All right, so button me up really quickly if you would. So what about Sunday? you got your Michigan man, Tom Brady. you got Patrick Mahomes, who is unlike any quarterback really anybody's ever seen. Who do you have on Sunday and why? You know what? With, with, with the late development um, with, with Kansas City, and them losing, I believe they have two line, two or three linemen out. I think the advantage to me, I think it goes to Tampa Bay. Their defensive line, Pierre Paul, Sheck Barrett, the speed that they have at linebackers with David and White. I think those guys are going to put some pressure on, on, um, on Mahomes. I don't think he's going to have as much time to throw the ball. I know he has been dealing with a little bit of a toe injury, you know, that kind of, you know, limits the mobility a little bit, not, not totally, but a little bit. Um, and I think they're going to make it tough for him. I got to believe that Tampa Bay looked at the first time they played them and said, hey, we got to eliminate the big plays. And if they can eliminate the big plays, make uh, Kansas City go the long route, you know, the length of the field, long drive, and, and not giving up touchdowns, maybe a, maybe a field goal here or there, then they can win the game because, look, Tampa Bay has weapons. They have matchup problems on their side of the ball as well uh, with Evans. Um, Tony O'Brown is supposed to, uh, to be back. Scotty Miller is, is a kind of an X factor. Um, so I think with the injuries to the offensive line and the way that the defensive line is playing, and me believing that game plan wise, defensively, is not letting those guys get over the top. Now, I'm, I'm going to take the old man in this one, Jim. <laughs> I see you working. All right. It's a tremendous <laughs> matchup. A tremendous matchup, no matter what, Charles. And I know you've got a big phone call. I believe you've got a big phone call coming up right around the time of that game as well. Man, it is so, so good to get caught up with you, Charles. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the time. And really nice to have you on this podcast. Thanks so much for doing that. Hey, man. Thanks for, thanks for, hearing, uh, for having me on, man. It's good to hear from you.
Any credit card can offer cash back, but only Discover matches all the cash back that you've earned at the end of your first year. It's like getting one of those birthday cards that's shaped like cash, so you already know that there's cash inside before you open it up. But in this case, it is stuffed with your first year cash back match, and you don't even have to send a thank you note. An enormous thanks to my guy, Chuck. Man, that was so fun to get caught up. Now, if you want to check out the booze that he is pushing, make sure to look for Intercept Wines and Woodson Whiskey wherever you get your sauce. He sent me some wine already, and it is awesome. I can't wait for the brown liquor to show up as well. All right, that's going to do it for me. Now, before you get out, make sure you do subscribe, rate, and review. It helps very, very much. And do tell a friend. I appreciate it. And I will see you next week for episode 162. But until then, here are your voicemails. First new message. What's up, Vince Mac? It's Brady in Rochester. I've been watching my two-year-old niece for the past couple of days, and i got to tell you, the stay-at-home uncle game is hard, dog. It's not just changing the diapers and trying to convince her to take a nap during the day. But yesterday, I went for the 90-minute hike, and I had to put her in the backpack for that, hiking through the snow, and I was fortunate to complete it without falling and busting my ass, but uh, I guess that means I'm getting the hang of this thing. RP Trapper, and hope you and the family are doing well. Message saved. Next message. This is Ken in Milwaukee. I just want to comment on a trade the Green Bay Packers should have made for the sake of the team and Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are going to have to rebuild their defense to get any kind of Super Bowl. They've already started with a coach. They need to get more speed and better tacklers. And on offense, they may lose Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley. They've already lost Bakhtiari to a knee injury. And to get all those draft picks, you get Groff and Jordan Love ready in the next couple of years. And for Aaron Rodgers to give him a chance to get to another Super Bowl and get to his home state, I think would have been great. They proved they can get to the NFC Championship game with Aaron Rodgers. But with this team, that's as far as they will ever get. Thank you, Jim. Bye. Message saved. Next message. Romy, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. Patrick Reed again does what all his Patrick Reed does. He cheats. He bends the rules. He pushes the envelope. I think you could have 50,000 fans out there booing him. He loves that us-against-the-world mentality. The PGA Tour secretly loves us because they've got a villain. Tiger's on the DL. Kepka's not playing real good. Rory's kind of in a somewhat of a funk. DeChambeau, it seems like he's only interested in the majors. So if Patrick Reed can be the number one villain, this is going to get people to watch. You're either going to love this guy or you're going to hate him, and I think more people are going to hate him. And you know what? At the end of the day, I hope Patrick Reed continues to play well because there's going to be a faction of people that hate the guy. There's going to be a faction of people that love the guy, and that's what the PGA Tour needs. Out. Message saved. Next message. Jimmy Jim, what's up? It's Dr. Dave. You know, it's great any time that you play my crappy call from the past. Philly is crazy to have a coach who can have a terrible press conference like that. I mean, hell, I've even been on the news before and was much more lucid than that. I was talking about arsenic and rice, of all things, and even I was clear, and I knew absolutely nothing about arsenic and rice. I just looked up the stuff about 20 minutes before my interview. Whatever, that guy's going to fucking suck anyways. The enemy would be a much better coach. Later, fuckers. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim, this is Norm, and I'm calling on your piece from John Alexander. I was his ticket broker for over 30 years. He used to always talk about you, always admire you, always used to get tickets for Roman friends. I remember the last concert I sold him was the Eagles at the uh, Honda Center. That made his life. He was phenomenal. And then, of course, there were Bruce shows that I put him to. He was a strong, courageous, and dedicated man. He was he was one of a kind. He spoke what was on his mind, never backed down. As he would say, it's tramps like us. I just wanted to share that with you. Take care. Message saved. 
Next message. Jim, this is Greg, Sacramento. I haven't talked to you in about 20 years when I used to call in when I lived in Madison. Hey, my beef is with my fat co-worker and my chain-smoking boss who don't wear a mask at the post office. Stop eating cupcakes, stop sneezing, stop yelling obscenities, and put a mask on. War UCSB renaming their basketball arena the Rome Dome. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin in Melbourne, man. I got a very serious question for you, sir. Can you send me a stock tip, if you don't mind? I mean, uh seems to be the uh, flavor of the month right now. And uh, if you're riding a hot hand, Jim, uh, you got my number. Give me a buzz and let me know. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jim. Bella B in Calgary. Just want to know what app I use to get uh, my phone to sound like Cam Jordan. I got a lot of unwanted calls, and I would love to sound just like that. I think it's doing it right now, actually. Message saved. You have no more messages.